Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, guys, we are here. We are rounding out our second day at uh, the 3% conference. Yep. Um, last week, you guys heard from us. We spoke to Kat Gordon, the boss, KGTB. Um, and the day is just going on and being like, again, it's a lot of love in here. It's a lot of mushy gushy. And we're learning. Um, it's snowing in Chicago. Um, this is one hell of a welcoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's living up to the hype. It's very windy and it's very cold. And on top of it, <laughs> on top of it being windy and cold, there are people outside fishing, y'all. Like I'm not going to let that go. You will never, uh, you will never hear me not reference Chicago. And yeah, people go outside in the snow and like fish and jog and shorts. Like it's just a regular day in April yeah. for them. But like this is for real, for real. Um, so it's quite the welcoming. And speaking of welcomings, we have somebody here who. I've been dying to meet Miss um, Bernadette. Hey. Hello. Hey, girl. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited yeah. that you're here also. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Bernadette Rivero Bernadette is um, the founder and of... The president and co-founder. President and co-founder of the Cortez Brothers Production Company. Um, so you guys do all the cool things. You guys do all the cool things that, that people want to get into the industry for. <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't, these aren't social banners and like, like web pages. This is like big time production that you guys are working on. We do the stuff that moves on the web pages and yes. banners and yeah. animated GIFs. Stuff. Visual, uh, live action broadcast production, which these days encompasses everything from a 60-second TV ad down to 15-second internet ad, six-second pre-roll, and animated GIFs. So if it moves, we film it. I put together and uh, find the directors, and then we start assembling the production teams to actually take ideas that come out of creatives' heads and turn them into finished products. Awesome. How do you get into yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> like, the, while the rest of us are stumbling <laughs> around trying to find our footing and to do, like, what you do, like, how did you get started? By not thinking you were ever going to do it in the first place. Um, I started in advertising when I was 14. I really wanted to get into working so much and save money and get to college that I begged my parents to pull me a work permit. So they went and pulled one from the Secretary of State, and I was working in a grocery store closest to my house that was you know, pretty much the only place I could get hired at 14. Mm -hmm. And my English teacher was horrified that her star student was, you know, packaging Oreos until 10 o'clock at night a couple of nights a week. I was thrilled. I loved working. And she wrangled me a job as an advertising and marketing assistant in an in-house ad agency for a line of upscale department stores called Jacobson's. So it was sort of like the Nordstrom's. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember Jacobson's. So they had an in-house ad agency before in-house ad agencies were a thing. And at 14, I started working under a woman who was on the verge of retirement, who knew everything there was to know about targeted niche marketing. So we were trying to reach the 1%, mm-hmm. people who could afford a fur coat or luxury clothing or items for the home. And I was so excited to be in this professional environment the first day that I got a drawer of my own that actually is a at big the deal. office that is like a that big was deal. my drawer I felt like such a grown up 
And so I worked in advertising all through high school, through part of college, and by the time I got out of college, I wanted a break. I was jaded, you know, I was like, ah, oh, I've just been around advertising for so long. You know, and I was at the ripe old age of like, I couldn't, you know, rent a car. <laughs> but uh, the break I took was I took several years off and I ended up working in uh, international broadcast journalism. So I worked in overseas news bureaus for CNN and NPR. Uh, I chased hurricanes for the Weather Channel as a one-man band. So I would run into hurricanes with a tripod and a camera. Mm, and I saw a twister. I, don't I know. Really I was like, like never saw a cow. Never saw a cow fly. And then I ended up uh, meeting someone and moving back to the States and had to make the choice between going down the journalism path or starting to ease back into the entertainment industry and broadcast in Los Angeles. And I didn't, I mean, I, I was literally getting co phone calls like, hey, what size uh, bulletproof jacket do you wear because there's this job in Afghanistan that we'd like to talk to you about. And getting shot in foreign countries um, while pursuing news Not didn't seem. Not exciting to you? It didn't seem like uh, <laughs> a long-term plan, you know. And, and I look back, and a lot of my friends from that era are were either you know shot at or had people on their team shot at and killed, or they were jailed and imprisoned and in very very dangerous circumstances. And sometimes, uh, you know, I have regrets about leaving journalism, but I also have a family, and that's why I'm at the Three Percent Conference. I'm talking yeah. about juggling family with advertising. But being in Los Angeles and kind of slowly coming back into the advertising world, it felt like just putting on a warm bathrobe. You know, you're kind of back amongst. A world you know and I had the background in broadcast from news you know running around with the camera and having to edit and like I'm looking at this tripod like wondering where my tripod is is it okay <laughs> is it safe um, my husband also worked in news too he had worked over at NBC as a field producer and so when you put us together we would have these long conversations about where's the place for Latinos in front of and behind the camera mm. and those kind of spurned into a discussion about can we do it? Can we do it on our own? Can we put our passion together? And Cortez Brothers was born in 2005. So we're in our 13th year of wow. making advertising, sometimes television. We sometimes get involved in film projects. Uh, I actually worked on a film called Black Tina. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, uh, I wrote and produced the first two seasons of a TV show called Patty's Mexican Table, but a lot of advertising. Like, I, I love advertising. You, when you work on a film project, it can be three years of your life, or in the instance of, like, Avatar, that was nine years of development. I don't have right. that time. I like getting a board from an ad agency, a storyboard or a script that they have gotten approved and they're ready to roll and we find the right director, and we attach the right team, and we go out and we shoot it, and then I get to sit at home and watch it on air in right. you know, yeah. like a month. Right. I have been interrupted by my own ads on social media as, yes. as a pre-roll, and you're, yes. you're sort of like, I don't wanna see that. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, I do, I wanna <laughs> see a lot. You did yeah. that. It's really exciting to get your, your online uh, adventures interrupted by your own work. No, and I, I mean, it's interesting. It's actually really interesting to hear you say that because I, I think in the blog post that I wrote, when I when I articulated that I love the business, everyone was taken aback. They were like, why? I think one person, <laughs> one, person actually, one person actually said, I wish you hated it so I could just tell you to go do something else because like, you don't deserve this. So like, even, even hearing you describe it as a warm bathrobe, like what, what are some moments or one or two moments that like really really trigger warm memories for you 
being in this business? Walking into the ad agency for the first time, and Jacobson's was an old school uh, department store. I mean, I think it had its roots in like 1910, 1920. It went back a long time. Like when you think of, uh, you know, like an upscale department store from back in the era, it was one of those stores. And their ad agency was in-house. It had a dark room. And the dark room was oh, wow. a special place. Mm-hmm. Right? I, th- I think I only saw it in there like twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and their advertising setup was kind of so old school. They still had artists that were hand-drawing wow. clothing onto hand-drawn models. And that was brilliant. And knowing, like, just coming from a, sm- a very small town and a family that didn't really have any you know, foot into the world of the arts, learning that you could make a living off of drawing stuff or right. photographing stuff, I will never forget that high. And it always felt so special. And then helping, um, whenever I get a catalog, I stop and I read the copy because I know there's real people behind it, like there were yep. at, at Jacobson's, that are obsessing over every word and trying to lure people into buying the Burberry coat with the, you know, the luxe uh, wording of the mm-hmm. catalogs. I wish there were more catalogs in the world. Like I, I work in broadcast, but right. I just like curling up on a cold day or a hot one or any weather really with a, with a good catalog. That's amazing. Um, so you mentioned that you're here at 3% because you're mom, mm-hmm. and we heard you are like the mom yeah. of moms. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we were, so we were informed that you have, you have five kids? I, five have, uh, I have a 24-year-old stepdaughter. I have a 13-year-old production company. 12-year-old, <laughs> 12-year-old daughter, a 9-year-old son, a 7-year-old daughter, and a 1-year-old baby girl. So six kids, because the production right, company. <laughs> Plus a roster of directors. Uh, right. But, they, you know, they're, they're more like teenagers. They just need guidance more than anything. How, like, and I know this is something that, like, is really important to Karina. And just, like, as we all are transitioning in our lives and getting into our 30s and thinking, like, how does that actually work for you? Because in this business, at least from a, the, a lot of the shared experiences that we've discussed on this show, it doesn't necessarily allow you to have, or doesn't um, encourage you to have a life or love outside of your 14 hour work day at your desk, at your computer. 14 yeah. hour, I work 24 hours. 14 sounds like a nice laid does back. Does it sound nice <laughs> and laid back? Like how, so how does this all come together for you? Or what pieces of it need to stay aligned so that you can be mom of the century, which it totally sounds like you are, plus, this producer extraordinaire. How do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) I do it it because no no one told me I couldn't do it. If I I sat around and waited to see someone that looked like me working in advertising, it would be a long wait. And so I just sort of had to find my own path through it. When I started so young in advertising, everyone there, because it was in-house and it was you know, based in a small Midwestern town, everyone had a family. They talked about their family. They talked about their kids and their grandkids, and there were couples working together in the company. And it, it was just a normal thing. Um, I knew in, in journalism I was never going to have a family. The, the divorce rate, the broken family rate, was something like 100%. It was high. Um, and then... You know, I had my first child and just kind of went with the flow. It wasn't all that different from journalism where the shoe can drop at any time. You don't know when breaking news will occur. You kind of have to have a go bag ready to go at any moment. Uh, Your schedule is going to get thrown off. You can't plan anything. And that's the life of production, but it's also the life of being a parent. Nothing you try to plan is ever going to work out the way you planned it. Mm -hmm. You can hit deadlines and you can turn in, in, you know, very important projects, but 
everything's going to be a huge roller coaster ride along the way. To get through the day by day, I use a lot of technology, honestly. There's um, a technique called the Tomatino, which when I was going crazy after having had, or, you know, with, with the lack of time I thought I had after my first baby, uh, I started looking around to see how people manage to get through the day and get more time to work. And the Tomatino is you take a, a kitchen timer and you set it for 15 minute increments and you only work on one thing for 15 minutes. And if you get interrupted or you pick up a phone call or you do something else, you lose, start it back over to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you want to get through as many Tomatinos as you can and kind of level up to an hour of work at a time or two hours, which is great unless you have children because kids love kitchen timers. Yes. <laughs> I, I am so a, do immature adults. You know, <laughs> like to sit in their own mother's kitchen. Like, <laughs> like fun, and when, they're, when they look like little tomatoes, or little vintage things, like everyone wants to touch it and play with it, and the Tomatino creators did not take two things into account. The kids want to kick it around like a foosball, <laughs> and that when it goes off, it wakes the baby. So oh. I found a substitute online. It's called Self Control. It's an app for Macs, and it shuts off all access to the internet and anything that you might lose time on for 15 or five or five hour minute, whatever you want increments at a time. What's it called again? Self-control. Self-control. And so I used that to gain 15 minutes of work time. So the baby would fall asleep and I would set you know, the, the internet off for a timer for 15 minutes and work. Mm -hmm. And then if I made it through that and could breathe, I'd do another 15 minutes. And so uh, I've learned through the years to just work whenever I can find a 15 minute block of breathing room. I work out of my car a lot, quite honestly, mm -hmm. because I insta we, we have a T-Mobile um, device in the car so that I can use it with a pretty decent Wi-Fi so I can work with video. Mm -hmm. Because again, a lot of my work is sending, receiving, sometimes editing, uploading, downloading videos. So I need a really, really strong system. So it's in my car. If I go to drop the kids off somewhere, like school, or pick them up, and someone falls asleep or they all fall asleep, I will immediately pull over to the side of the road and start working. My laptop is always with me. My phone is always with me so that when, um, you know, sometimes I'll have my son at a baseball practice, and I'm not a baseball fan. I love my son, but it's, you know, lovely enough that I can pull my car right up to almost the batting cage. Mm -hmm. And so I'll watch him through the window, and I'll work on my laptop at the same time. And, you know, the baby will be asleep in the back of the car, and I can get things done that way. So it's a lot of just using tools and techniques and you know, little tips and tricks that'll get me through the day so I can get more work out. And I work at night. A lot of moms and quite a few dads do this. So I, you know, work as much during the day as I can. The kids get home from school, I pick them up. We make sure to get homework done and we deal with dinner. You notice I say I didn't cook dinner because I use a crock pot right. for Right, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. And then the kids go to bed and I, I will climb into their bunk bed with them and work and they fall asleep on top of me like, you know, a litter of kittens. And I have my laptop open, and I play some music, and I'll work through the night, you know. And I take time out to be with my husband, but it's working, you know, like, I, and I have to tell my team, you're going to get emails from me from 9.30 until 1.30 in the morning sometimes, and I will say in the email, don't address this until tomorrow. I know it's a Saturday night, don't answer this until Monday. When I hire someone new in, I have to explain to them, you're going to get emails from the times I'm working. I do not expect you or want you to be doing the same mm -hmm. thing. So, um, another question, when do you sleep, Ben? Oh. <laughs> Whenever I can. Um, I, I'm a late night person by trade. I used to work the overnight shift at a radio station. So I would work, go into work at midnight and come out at eight. So my concept of time for sleeping is whenever there's some place I can vaguely sleep, sleep there when it Fair. happens. Mm. So I, you know, I, I just 
try to sneak it in whenever I can. I slept in this morning because I could. Right. <laughs> right, that was a blessing. And there's been days, especially when the baby is younger, I'll get the kids off to school and I'll come back to the house or I'll stay in the house with the baby and she'll fall asleep and I'll sleep. I'll slide in another hour and a half of work and then just come into work late and then stay up later that night to make up for it. Nice. So y- you run your your own shop. Um, in, in the spirit of 3% and people coming here, men and women trying to... I guess have a similar work-life balance to what you're what what you've created because you're making it work. What can agencies do to help parents manage the demands of working in this business? So like you you have a staff. So like I'm I'm guessing and you and you talk about it just a few minutes ago where you're saying that you um you tell them not to answer emails after a certain hour. Um, which is like low-hanging fruit, but like, what can agencies do to help parents be better, be parents, and also be great at their jobs? I wish we'd stop talking about balance because there is no balance. There is absolutely no time or space in the world where you're going to have an equal amount of time for living and taking care of your children and working. And we're in a creative industry. I always love how Cirque du Soleil balances and juggles. Um, creatively and stretches and twists and that's really inspirational to me to see how circus performers and actually circus families work together you'll notice that circus families bring their children up with them they travel around together they train them in the art of circus arts they're very flexible Um, they 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 twist rather than break and there's something inspirational in that Um, giving people the flexibility to get the work done at the hours they choose as long as the work is done and the deadlines are hit, using collaborative uh, you know, software. In production, because we're, a, we're an international and a global focused production company, right? On any given day, we can be filming something in South America or Europe or United States. Right now, one of my producers is in Germany. We've always, from the get-go, had to use collaborative technology, whether we're emailing back and forth or now we've kind of migrated into Google so that we can all touch the same documents and reels of director's work, whether we're in Germany or Buenos Aires or you know in the air flying from New York to LA. So it was second nature to us to kind of continue that into our company culture. Mm-hmm. And I, agencies work hard. They work really, really hard. But the creative departments work differently than the rest of the exactly. team. And I feel like they need a separate discussion and set of flexible tools that they can use that allow them to work on Google Slides from different you know, mm-hmm. places that they find themselves rather than having to be clustered together to work on a deck for a presentation, yeah. for instance. Right. Um, and, I, and I've done that. In LA, the traffic is so bad that sometimes you'll work with partners that are on the other side of the city. And while it makes sense to drive there because they're only five miles away, you don't have the hour and 15 minutes to get there. So we'll just do a Google Slides with someone and we are on the phone adjusting it together at the same time so that we can stay focused on the work instead of the, the uh, commute time. Mm-hmm. Right. So. With all of that being said, like even hearing you be so solutions forward, even within your own life, there are people leaving. There are people just like me, just saying, forget the industry, I can't do this right now, or I can't do this anymore. And it's creating a deficit of diversity, a diversity deficit, if you will. There are people of color leaving the industry, there are parents leaving the industry, there are people who um, are being either aged out early, earlier in their careers or aged out later in their careers. And 
we just don't have enough of the different perspectives that everyone's saying that they want. What do you feel can, should be done by the agencies, not necessarily by you, but by the agencies to retain talent? You mentioned the story earlier to me off of, um, off of the podcast about looking for, you needed a Latina uh, producer or creative mm -hmm. to work on a project and you could only find one that's still in the agency. Like, how do we avoid that? How do we make sure that there are more of us here? Like, I mean, I have ideas, but it's good to hear other people's perspective <laughs> too. But like, how do we keep us in the industry so that it can retain the little bit of diversity we have and also increase the level of diversity that we need? I had actually, I had been looking for a Latino to talk to because I needed to vent. I'd had a really, really bad day at work where I had lost a job that hurt me in my soul because it was for um, showing the beauty of Mexican-American culture. And my Mexican-American director and Mexican-American self didn't get the job. It went to England instead. And it mm. hurt me. It hurt so bad. And I, I didn't even want to get out of bed. And I'm usually a pretty, you know, um, upbeat person and I, I needed to call someone Mexican-American to talk to and when I went through my list of people that I knew through my life colleagues and friends through the years for ad agency it was like nope she left nope she left couldn't get hired in a general market agency because they said she could only do Hispanic market work she left out of frustration that one left and it was so painful to only have one person off the top of my mind that I could call and thankfully was there to pick up the phone and you see, you know, we talk about diversity in the industry, but I'm seeing with my own two eyes the people bleeding out. And when they do, we lose the ability to create good stories that reach consumers that understand and gravitate towards what it is we're trying to sell. Uh, so I don't know what the answer is other than we have to retain who's here and we have to attract new people to come in. It's and it's a double-edged sword. It's 11 o'clock, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> You have such a warm spirit, and like, you feel like a warm sweater. Speaking to you feels like a warm sweater. Yeah. You're so calm in the chaos. <laughs> so like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, really, I really wanted to point that out. That it feels, it feels really good to hear somebody say that that they love the business. It feels good to also have somebody sit and discuss with someone like their perspective on how to navigate the business. Like. When are you about to teach your class? Like I feel like I feel like that's coming next. <laughs> like a full like Cortez Brothers workshop on like getting your ass in the industry and staying here and thriving. Like I, I feel like that is. I will a give thing. a class to any ad agency that gives me a single bid opportunity to Ooh. create broadcast advertising. I will come in and speak at length, Ooh. warmly. <laughs> you just have to give me jobs. That's just all. Give me jobs. Just get it. Just keep, listen. We gotta keep folks paid, <laughs> paid and paid and productive. That is it. Well, Bernadette, thank you so much yes, for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Cannot thank you. Not thank you for your online support. That's been dope. And even just like meeting you in person, like good things are coming to you. And and like <laughs> everything that's around you, you feel good. I'm gonna hug you when we hang, when we when we close this out. So oh, it's you. a pleasure talking with you. I'm such a big fan of the podcast, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. So we'll be back with another interview after this. We'll talk to you. Bye.